Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In the midst of a stock market crash, unemployment jumping to 40-plus million Americans, our economy falling apart, the whole world's economy screeching to a halt, somehow, somehow, we were able to make more than $10 million by aggressively trading the market. This YouTube channel has been an open book into our stock market trades and how we've done it. Chris, you've literally doubled your net worth in the past three months. Today on Dumb Money Live, now that we're up... Is there another crash coming, or is the economy going to roar back bigger than ever? And most importantly, how do we decide if it's time to sell? This is Dumb Money Live with Chris Camillo, Dave Hansen, and Jordan McLean, streaming live on YouTube. We are Dumb Money. Hey there, Dave here along with Chris and Jordan. First things first, if you haven't already, please hit the like button. Help more people find us this morning. It just takes a second. It's free. And if we don't get enough likes, I think they kick us off of YouTube or something. So please, and thank you. That's all. How are you guys doing this morning? I'm doing awesome, Dave. (laughs) Every morning I wake up and I think this is the morning, right? This is the morning that I'm going to have a bad day in the market and it almost never happens. (laughs) This is just so insane. We've we've never seen anything like it. I've never have seen anything like it in three decades of trading. No, I do do want to recap a little of our ride up to that $10 million gain uh, and our audience can go back and watch it. We've basically been doing it on these live episodes. We, we started doing live episodes kind of as an experiment on our first channel, our second ever live episode. Uh, we were, it was all about us planning to protect our portfolio from this thing called coronavirus that, you know, that was way back January 28th. Do you realize that there, there was a little blip in the market the day before and we started doing these live shows, uh, ever since at the time. Like I, Wait, I was talking, was that January, January 28th. And I was talking about like doing this maybe a hedge and you were talking about the criteria. I went back and watched it last night because it's just like it's fascinating to see like how early we were on this being a market thing. There was like this little blip in the market and the very next day it, it came back. But that was that was you trying to define the criteria that you'd be trading on. And look at us now. Something went right. (laughs) And it's not just like virus trades or stay-at-home trades or post-vaccine winners. Those are some of those like radically different events that we see in our lifetimes. But it's being prepared to trade on anything. And and it's really worked. Yeah, it's... uh, It all started with China, remember? It was all about win trading win casinos and Macau in China. And it was like... Why are these stocks not going down? Remember, and Tesla. Why is Tesla not going down when they're shutting factories down here? And then we had that that thesis that China 
It was like China has that division of their government where they're investing in companies and the stock market, and we think they the were shadow in on it trades to kind of protect, from yeah, yeah, to kind of disguise and protect any company that had major interest in China, and that was their underhanded way to like you know play with dirty money to kind of protect Chinese interest and. And we thought that was propping up the, the casino stocks that were American and also Tesla. And, man, you know, we didn't do so great in the first few weeks of that short trade. And then, what was it, February 27th came around, right? It was February yeah. 28th, 27th? It that was, was that weekend? Well, I know that I was in Mexico. Hang on. I've, I've seen a lot of chats that my mic is distorted, and I just it plugged it in so that I can Dave. hear I myself. can barely even – I can't. You're like – Testing one two. Uh, Testing one two. Bad. Is that is that better? It still sounds distorted, a little bit. So it's a little metally, but you know. I tried some. Uh, what do you call it? Beta software yesterday, trying to figure things out and try to get our audio more in sync. But uh, it messed a bunch of other things up. Right. The problem is not me today. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. You sound amazing, and I sound distorted. I'm hearing it myself. Awesome. I don't know well, how to fix it. Well, you're working on that. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll do some talking. Um, dude, I, I, I just I can't stop thinking about that, that February 27th, 28th weekend. And I was like, am I crazy going this short on this weekend? But I was like, it, this is... This could be the weekend, and I don't know if it is. It wasn't the weekend prior or the weekend prior, and I had put short trades in both those two weekends before that, and, and they kind of like broke even to lost a little bit of money, I think. And it was that February 28th weekend, and that was, boom, that Monday morning. That was it. That was the first big win, and the wins have not stopped coming since then. So today's episode, though, uh, Jordan, we talk about this all the time, Dave, when do we get out? And of course, yeah. we never get out. Right? And it's, and it's like figuring the before. balance between using that information arbitrage, trying to figure out when the market's knowledge of whatever information edge we think we have, when they figure it out, that's when we sell. Yeah, I mean, listen, that that's our methodology and we're sticking to it, but it's not black and white and it's not simple and it's not totally scientific. Uh, it's an imperfect uh, methodology because it's not like, Overnight, everyone now fully appreciates what we appreciated in this stock or this sector. Um, certainly, earnings reports can help. Uh, but most of the time, it's, well, as we start to see the market talking about the things that we're talking about, like when Jim Cramer has an episode, his own version of the Great Outdoor episode, which he stole from us, uh, when he does his version of it, eh, well, I think I think the market's catching on to the great outdoors here and the great outdoor trades, right? Like I think uh, you know recreational motorsports. You know, shortly after we did that episode, I think I started to see more things happening with other investors, whether they were you know on StockTwits or on Seeking Alpha uh, or even some institutional sell side reports that were talking about you know ATVs and boats and kind of small recreational uh, vehicles and how they saw demand ticking up. So as we see this happening, we don't just get out of the trade immediately, but we start to kind of get out of these trades. And I think we're starting to come up on a time. And I listen, the format for today's episode is we're going to talk about our biggest holdings and our exit strategy. And then we're going to talk about our other holdings in terms of sectors. So recreational motorsports, 
the great outdoors, shelter in, in place stocks, uh, the REITs, okay, uh, the, the sports coming back. These are all the sectors that we've been talking about on the show. Uh, the bounce back trade, okay, which is the travel and entertainment stocks. So we're going to address each of these sectors and talk about the exit strategy there. The bottom line is we really haven't exited anything yet. My account is 140% long, not including call options that I have on a few of these stocks like Southwest and stuff like that. But, oh, man, how about that Avis trade, guys? Could you believe that Avis trade today? Um, anyway, so we're going to talk about exit strategy. Let's, just, let's talk about the methodology first, right? Do you guys agree, and we've been doing this for a long time, that nothing's changed. It's all about information parity. Right, we invest on an information imbalance, whatever that imbalance is. It could be the fact that there's a new product or consumer demand has changed or consumer culture or there's a new technology and the market doesn't quite fully appreciate how that change in culture or consumer behavior or technology or geographical change is impacting a company in terms of either revenue or perception. And uh, when the world starts to appreciate that either through analysts or individual investors picking up on it or company reports, earnings reports or company statements, um, then we start to reach a point of information parity. And as that information parity happens, we exit. But it has nothing to do with stock price. The stock at that point could have doubled or tripled or could be down 30%. It really doesn't matter. We always joke that the best way to be a social arb trader is if you weren't ever allowed to see a stock price. Now, this seems insane to most people. But what if you never looked at stock price? What if you only traded based on information? If you saw an information imbalance that you thought was positive for a stock, you bought that stock. Or if it was negative, you shorted it. And as soon as that hit information parity, you exit the trade. You don't even know the entry price. You don't know the exit price until after the entire trade is over. If you had the, if you had the ability to do that, and I don't even have the ability to do that, that would be the ideal way to, to, to execute on this methodology um, without having bias, without letting your emotions drive you, right? Um, without letting, oh, my God, I already made 10 times my money. Well, what if you will make a hundred times your money in that trade by executing along with the strategy, right? Yeah. Why it's a very hard thing to do if the right it's, amount is a hundred times. Yep. And and trying to figure that out and trying to like and I don't know if I sound okay. I've tried to fix everything, but I can't Sounds hear okay. myself when I'm on the air. Um it's almost impossible psychologically to just trade on the information without without looking and you know it, it would be a perfect world if you could like figure out a way to just just trade the information just like figure it out and not be worried about did i double did i triple am i am i down a hundred thousand dollars dave do you know the, the statement that just gets me triggered more than any other in the market You've been okay. triggered a lot in our group text, so I don't know which <laughs> statement you're referring to. But, but we, the, the statement that really gets me going is, what is it? Uh, is it pigs get slaughtered, right? Every time I hear someone using the term pigs get slaughtered, all I think of is you're an imbecile. Okay, and you shouldn't be trading stocks. If you if you're going to use that that statement, 
then that's why you're never, ever going to make 100 times your money in the market over yeah. any period of time. Because that's insane. Pigs, it's not about being a pig. Dude, if you know something, why only make double your money? Why only make triple your money? Let's make 10 times or 15 or 20 or 30 times my money. You trade it until that information parity gets there. Why wouldn't you cap yourself? Right? Could you imagine if we capped ourselves on Amazon eight years ago? Because pigs get slaughtered. How about Apple? Oh, you're just a pig. You're going to get slaughtered on that. How about Peloton or any, any of our biggest trades? There's no way. And if you follow us in our backgrounds and kind of where it all started with this, you know, back in the day when I turned 20,000 to 2 million in three years, that's what I wrote the book about, Laughing at Wall Street. If pigs get slaughtered, it would have been 20K to 200, not 20K to 2 million. And now that's turned into, you know, 10X that, right? So uh, over a period of time. So, um, guys, I hate that statement. I hate it. Sorry, I had to get that out there. Um, so <laughs> There's a lot about the statement was gonna be what's your exit price? Oh, uh, what's the any of them, anything related to that? What's your exit price? Are you kidding me? Exit price? That's insane. We have no idea what a stock is going to trade at once the information we're trading comes into play. Once the information comes in, who knows how the market's gonna readjust to that stock? They could trade it up five percent or fifty percent or five hundred percent. That's, That's the thing. If it, were, if it was a magic number and you could trace it all to like a PE or something like, or a revenue number, then um, every stock would be 100% easy to to price in. But it, it just doesn't work like yeah, that. But same. Jordan, do you know why people ask that? Because it, it, it's a top down. It comes from institutions, and and the investment industry is institutionally incompetent. Okay, That's right. That's a quote. The investment industry is institutionally <laughs> incompetent. Do you want a new T-shirt that says that? Generating alpha. What? Do you want a new T-shirt that says that? Yes, I do. You can't. They, they are. Oh, wait, there, there was another. There was another good uh, T-shirt idea. Just uh, I saw the comic go by, and it was um, bring back eight bit Chris. <laughs> well, what it, it apparently would fix my audio when your when your audio is bad. Like I don't even know if you guys can hear me right now. Can you? Because I'm not seeing the meters move on Skype, but I'm seeing it move on the show. This, yeah, we can hear you. This is a Dave disaster. Can people hear Dave? Uh, so if they said it's a little fuzzy, but I think they could hear you. Um, what's eight bit Chris? Well, what does that mean? Well, that's what, was, when you were when you were in low def. I my camera looked oh. fine, and now like we we our roles have reversed. Your your camera actually looks sharper than mine today for some reason. I don't know what's going on. Oh. And my sound, I, I sound like I'm like distorted. Which, by the way, when that that second episode, we also had major audio problems, and it was me, not you, that time. So it's like these landmark episodes. For some reason, uh, my my whole setup just falls apart. Much like my portfolio did when I was in Mexico, and not watching the stock market. All right, so let's get through this because we got a lot to talk about. I know we, we, we have some new trades. Oh, by the way, we have new trades. We have new trades that I, I, I don't even know if I put them on Discord yet, but we'll, we'll talk about them in this episode too. But can we just talk about exit strategy for a second, guys? Yes. And the one I want to start with for all of us, and I want to get this point across, there are times when information parity is almost never reached. All right. So like in a, let's talk about Amazon, our biggest holding for most of us. Right. Um, we believe for Amazon that it's not one piece of information. The information we're trading is that 
the 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 mentality of Amazon and Bezos and the way they are structured and, and the structural advantages that they have as a company are so enormous that the market just can't wrap its head around it. So in perpetuity, in perpetuity can mean five more years or 10 more years or 15 more years. In perpetuity, Amazon will be able to continue to surprise the market with what they're able to do in terms of their distribution and, and their structural advantage. And Wall Street, as high as it seems that we value Amazon, we're going to continue, there will continue to outperform the market because people are never going to believe that they're going to continue to do what they've done the last two years and five years and 10 years. Would you guys, how would you guys say that? Jordan? Jordan. There? Wait, 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 what was the question again? I'm sorry, I was buying stock. <laughs> sorry, you're buying I'm trying stock. to fix my computer. <laughs> Would you agree that with Amazon, information parity is very difficult to reach? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, it's such a complicated business that people don't understand and appreciate all the different things that they do and um, the degree at which society is changing to be able to um, take advantage of all the different uh, products that Amazon offers um, it, it reminds me. I mean, it's like Apple, right? So it took it took Apple a really long time for people to to fully digest how big of a deal um, Apple is, right? And it it I, I feel like maybe it's there's still a little bit there, um, but we spent 15 years thinking that you know Apple was undervalued, and every every chance we got, we were buying more, right? Yeah, and and I did get out of Apple for a year and a half or so yeah. a few years ago because um, I thought that you know, th that information parity was there and, and actually it went up a bunch more uh, as I exited, not because they did anything differently, but um, I ended up getting back into Apple, as you know, pretty heavily, you know, last year. And uh, I do think that Apple's at a place now where they have a structural advantage in distribution, where they have the ability to come out with something like the AirPod uh, and sell hundreds of millions of them with a multi hundred dollar product because of that distribution advantage they have, uh, because of the market penetration and the branding that Apple has. And now that I see them doing things like AirPods, it gets very exciting again for me, uh, knowing that the innovation engine is alive. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, I'm back in Apple. I, think th I don't think we've seen information parity on Apple. Uh, another big one that we all have, Peloton. I don't even think we're close to information parity on Peloton. People, if you add a Peloton, I get every day I get a call or text from a friend you out of Peloton yet? Should we get out of Peloton? I'm like, honestly, I, I, I think there's so much more left in terms of what Peloton can be. And I think at this point, they have to prove me wrong to show me they can't be that. And the, the market is not viewing Peloton as the neck of the Apple. People say the Apple of fitness, but no one's really valuing Peloton as the Apple of fitness. Because if they became the Apple of fitness... It'd be a hundred billion dollar company. Well, that's the thing. We got to see how um, all these, you know, and I, I think it's worth um, writing out to see how they actually capitalize on being the home fitness solution, right? Um, so, what other products are they going to come out with that um, really drive um, revenue for the company in the next decade? Well, and I wasn't even planning on jumping into Peloton, but you convinced me basically that Peloton was going to be the the Apple of fitness and the more of the lifestyle brand that people will be attracted to and will have this longer term thing than just a stay at home stock. So I, I'm staying in Peloton and I, you know, I, you were talking earlier about, you know, some of the Fang stocks. 
going into uh, you know our lifetime stocks being basically holding all the Fang stocks plus Microsoft, we sold both Facebook and Google, right? Th- because of the information that we saw where advertising spending was affected by slowing down budgets and small businesses closing and that sort of thing. When is when is the right time to buy? So this episode's about selling, but when is the right time to get back into some of these longer term life lifestyle companies that you probably want to be in long term? I think that's another episode. But it probably is a whole episode. Because uh, I need to think about that because I've been thinking about that every day, Dave. Like, when do I get back into Facebook? All right. When do I get back into Facebook? Well, and maybe another um, episode but- where it's it's following up on what are our what are our current forever stocks? And yeah. You know, Facebook Facebook is one of those forever stocks, but when we saw the market falling apart and advertising dropping off a cliff, you didn't really want to be in Facebook at the moment, but it sure has recovered. Correct. Well, listen, so I'm not exiting Amazon. I'm not exiting Peloton. Those are my two of my largest positions right now. Um, you know, behind them, another large position that I guess we can talk about right now because it's, it's so hot is GAN. Um, I'm not exiting GAN. I've had a lot of people ask me in the last couple of days, you know, do you still believe in GAN after it kind of came back down the last two days? Uh, yeah, I mean, what is I don't care about pricing. I don't care if GAN goes up $10 or $20 or goes down $5 or $10. If I liked it yesterday, why would I like it less today that it's, you know, two days ago? Why would I like it less today that it's cheaper? That's insanity. Um, I, listen, I believe GAN is a trade on, uh, you know, online gaming in America, period. And and if you believe that online gaming in America is in the early stages and there's nothing that's going to stop it from accelerating over the next five years, uh, I think GAN is the most efficient way to play that, you know, and and that's why I'm in GAN. So, no, I don't see – and I don't think anyone understands GAN or has taken the time to really look at, you know – how big this industry sector has the potential to be over the next five years in North America. And that's the information edge. That's the information imbalance that I'm trading. Um, I think people that do see it are really more focused, quite honestly, on DraftKings um, and on Penn National. And I think while GAN's getting a lot of heat the last week, I don't think they're nearly as, as, as... you know, understandable or, or, or has the perception that the other leaders get because they're more consumer facing, right? Do you think that perhaps though so, that people have seen the information edge like kind of go away with GAN where you're, you're saying now that GAN is this kind of longer term, the world is moving towards online gaming and it's going to just get more and more popular and available in more and more states and GAN is the easy way for that to, but is that information already out there? Is that information what happened when the stock jumped up and that might have been okay everyone realized there's this little player out there that is able to uh, power all of the sports betting and casino games online is the information out or are no, you now okay, using so- it as like a as a this is going to be long-term continuing their revenue and it's no longer an information arbitrage play but it's more of a core holding longer-term portfolio play no it's always an information no i don't have no there is no core holding play everything i do is information arbitrage even if if it's amazon or apple and dave you you asked the question in a great way because i I think this is this is a, a um 
this the subtlety of, of the methodology that I think a lot of people don't understand. Just because some number of investors now have reached information parity, that there are still lots of other investors where information parity hasn't been reached. So yes, there are some investors, including the ones on Dumb Money that trade GAN, that fully understand and appreciate the GAN story, right? Um, there are other investors that understand the GAN story. But in the wide world of investors, that base of people that understand the GAN story and appreciate it and have been bidding it up, I think, I believe at least, is still really small relative to what it can be in the next couple of years. Well, right? I think it's, so, not, it's not only that on GAN. For me, for, for me it's about um, the regulatory potential with GAN, right? And that's going to take longer than just investors understanding that they've that that potential is out there it's going to take you know real movements um for people to start you know trying to open up online gambling in different states right um and i think it could i think it could happen as far as um you know states needing um revenue um you could you could see some bills coming out um you know in the next year or so um and so that's what i would be waiting for um with a gan yeah, I mean, I think I think that's part of it. I mean, do you guys remember when we were investing in Apple, I don't know, 15 years ago, 13 years ago, and, and there was a portion of the investor base that fully understood Apple, fully understood it. Um, and there was yet for every one of those people, there were still three or four other people that said, this is insane. This company cannot be a mobile phone company. They do not understand this space. Right? Remember that? Like, they, yeah, they wanted they, to treat they wanted to treat the the P and L of Apple like a the P and L of Dell computers or something like that. Yes, right? Yeah. They they just they just didn't get it. And right now, you have an industry sector in uh, you know online gambling in America. Some people think it's a $2 billion industry eventually. Some people think it's a $50 billion industry. That is such a wide, wide discrepancy between those two worlds. I personally believe it's a $50 billion industry eventually. I think it's huge. I think it's going to become part of the fabric of society, right? And I don't think it's the way you think about gambling is very different today from how I think we will think about gambling in 10 years. I think in 10 years, it will be very social and very casual and not something that overtakes your life. We're not going to have, oh, he's a gambler and these people would never do that. If you again, if you look at culture and especially in Europe or the UK, you understand that the concept of gambling on a sports, it's not a dirty, weird thing. It's something you do, you have fun doing it on your phone with your friends while you're at a bar, you're at a party. Everybody's doing it. It's just a kind of this thing that's part of culture to some extent. Yeah. I mean, it's look, it's like, it's just like alcohol. Um, you know, it, some people have a problem with it and they should stay away. Um, but for other people, it's, um, it's something they can control and they have fun with. Well, Jordan, alcohol is a great example because alcohol, there was a point in time, not that long ago, by the way, when alcohol was this kind of dirty thing yeah. that the men did, you know what I'm saying? The women really didn't do it. Right. Like that wasn't that long ago. Right. And it was a cultural shift that took place to make alcohol what it is today. And, I feel like, and I felt this way for a long time, that, that online gaming, to some extent, the same way that 
Uh, remember how com computer games, right? I mean, it was just kids and really weird people that were playing computer games all day long, right? <laughs> and at some point in the last decade and a half, all of a sudden Candy Crush came out, and now you have every middle-aged woman in middle America, you know, when they're sitting on the toilet playing Candy Crush all day, right? <laughs> Is that like, still a that's, thing? It, I think yes, so. It's, yes, it's it's not just Candy Crush. And it's Words like with 10, Friends. I mean, other... yeah, there there was there were some breakthrough games that took gaming from this from like you say the the thing with people with crazy joysticks and like hardcore gamers to just everyday activity where it's just something you can casually do on your phone. And, and you're right. I think that that is where online gaming is going. And rather than trying to pick the one, trying to pick the DraftKings or the pen or the, the whatever, whatever it's going to be, win or whoever is going to have an online presence, trying to find this, I think finding this background behind the scenes power company that that's enabling it all is is why I'm so excited about GAN as a company and, and why I'm not selling it even though it is drifting lower from from that high. <laughs> and listen, there are huge short-term risk in GAN. Oh, absolutely. Huge. I mean if if they lose if they lose that uh deal with FanDuel, which you know that they will some at some point. Revenue. Yeah. But FanDuel has already indicated that they want to cancel their deal, right? But they continue well, to not cancel it. Yeah, oh, a year ago, yeah. So, And by the way, even that deal was only with the sports side. It wasn't necessarily with the casino side, the online gaming. So they wouldn't lose all 40% of the revenue. And what's really interesting is if you look into GAN's financials, they, it looks like they actually generate significantly more money and profit from the online casino games than the online sports book. But the online sports book, they view it almost as a way to get people in the door. And then like, so because you're gambling on a game, right? And then the game's over and you still kind of have the bug a little bit. So maybe you go play some, I don't know, I don't know online, I don't do this, but like online poker or whatever it is, right? That, that they're doing the slots or whatever it is. Um, and, and it's a way for them to get in front of you, right? Yeah, exactly. So that, that's it. We, I don't think we we're going to exit our big our big holdings anytime soon. Uh, but that can change. Look, something could happen to Peloton tomorrow, and I could exit that Peloton position in a second. Okay. Uh, same thing with Gan. I mean, something that I didn't catch on Gan could happen, and I could exit Gan in a second. But right yeah, now, yeah. Like, let's say let's say that um, you know all the lobbying by DraftKings or somebody like that backfires and then there's like a nationwide push to to ban online gambling holy smokes you got to get out of that thing right i'm out i'm out again in a second probably won't happen um because it tends to be a state's rights thing but uh yeah it's you know that's something to be on on the lookout for and and those are the I, kind of things that as you make an investment you also have to say okay what are the what are the turning points what are the exit points yeah so can we, can we talk about some of the big sectors that we're in and maybe what the exit points look like? The first one being uh, the shelter-in-place trades. Yep, all the stay-at-home, uh, the, like, the Zoom. Yeah, and, he, and he, quite honestly, even Logitech, um, you know, there's some companies like that that we had big holdings in. Listen, this, the, the shelter-in-place trade, for me, uh, I have started selling a lot of that trade-off. I still have some Logitech. But I've sold. I think I've exited about two thirds of my Logitech. If you count the options I had in it, I'm probably three quarters exited now. But I st I'm still holding some Logitech because I, like I said, I, I 
I don't know for sure that we're at full information parity. Um, so I'm mostly out of Logitech. I'm mostly out of Zoom, but I still hold some Zoom. Uh, I'm mostly out of Teladoc, but I still hold some Teladoc. So these aren't like all or nothing exits for me. Yep. Um, what do you guys? What do you guys think? Do you have any of those kind of the shelter in place stocks still? Are you holding some of them? So I had two thousand shares of Teladoc and I sold fifteen hundred, probably around the same time you did. Um, Amazon was a shelter in place stock, but it's also a core holding stock that I oh let's talk about Amazon though because I did sell remember at one point I had what 4,000 shares of Amazon between equity and options I think I had 2,000 shares in equity and another 2,000 in options yep and I sold all of that except for my core 1,000 share holding of Amazon so yeah you could technically say that I've reduced my Amazon levered position by three quarters um not because I don't believe in Amazon long term, but because I believe the big arbitrage op- opportunity in Amazon, the big meat of it, that part's over. Now, I still think there's some left, which is why I kind of have this long ter- longer term hold on Amazon. I don't want to use the word hold. Longer term. <laughs> longer term Amazon. buying yeah. every single day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Repurchasing every day. Um, but yeah, so are you out of your, uh, Jordan, I don't know how many of those you had. I, I think you were in Logitech too. Have you sold it or like, what, what are you thinking on all that? Yeah, I know. I never got in Logitech, unfortunately. Um, um, the ones that I've got, um, I haven't sold a thing, uh, things like Peloton, things like, uh, Amazon. I'm trying to think of what I, there are things that I've, um, that I've played that I've exited, but I, I mean, you'd have to name the stocks. It's been. I feel like it's been five years since uh, since we've been through all that stuff. Yeah, and you know what? Peloton does have a component to it, obviously, that is stay-at-home, shelter-in-place. And I could see myself lightening up on Peloton going into the end of this year. Um, if this continues and we don't get a second wave and people start to get back into the real world. There's um, one I thing that would make love- me sell Peloton, and that would be I – th- I think it would be a vaccine. Yeah, really? a vaccine or just knowing that we see the light at the end of the time. I wouldn't yeah. sell all my Peloton, though. I would just I would I would be in lighter right in Peloton. Yeah. I could see myself selling off half of my Peloton in that situation. Sure. Or another way to think about it is and we've talked about this, we might hedge our position for a short period of time. And then take the hedge off right after that's over and essentially lowering our entry price right of, of that stock. Yeah, and and Peloton's one that it probably my only stay at home play, and I don't know if that I I never held Zoom. I I'm I'm kicking myself for not ever buying. Oh, you're Zoom. you're the other one. Okay, I'm I'm the other person in the country that didn't that didn't yeah. own Zoom, uh, and I don't really know why. Uh, it, it just seemed uh, too high at all times, and just kept going higher. But look, it's yeah. it's coming back now yeah. uh, as as the shelter in place stocks are are going down. So. Um, Peloton's really my last of the true stay-at-home stocks that don't also cross over into another bucket like Amazon or um, what, what else do I have that that is kind of a also stay-at-home but also Shopify. So Shopify is is a trend in shopping, right? So I'm still in that, even though it is kind of it was in that stay-at-home basket originally. 
Yeah, I, I, I think I could see myself lightening up on Shopify as well over the next six months um, if it does seem that we're this whole stay-at-home is done with. Um, so stay-at-home, that, that was the obvious one. That, that's where we are starting to lighten up our positions um, and we'll continue to lighten up our positions over the next few months. But let's talk about something less stay-at-home-y. Uh, how like about like our recreational recreation. motorsports trade? Yeah. Um, that's one that I think the market is starting to pay attention to. Yeah. It has been reflected in the increase in stock price over the past couple of weeks of like Yeah, look, I mean Polaris is back to where they were. Yeah, and I think the reason why is because you if you go out there you're seeing a lot of news stories, a lot of reports, a lot of buzz in even stock chatter rooms about this stuff. So the trade is there, right? I mean, I'm getting less interested in the recreational motorsports trade. And I am likely to start to exit out of those trades slowly over the course of the next couple of months. Uh, it's not an all or none thing. I could see myself holding 50% of those positions until post earnings. So, you know, the, the very next earnings dates on some of these power sports trades, whether they're Mastercraft or, um, you know, Sea-Doo or Polaris or, you know, the company that owns uh, Can-Am, uh, ATVs. I forget what that was, that BRG or something like that, right? Uh, uh, it's a BRP. BR, BRP. And I, I could see myself starting to get out of those stocks um, along with recreational motorsports. Can we just throw in the bicycle trade in on that as well? Very yeah, similar feeling for me. Uh, the bicycle trade, we have that Canadian bicycle trade company. I'm going to start to sell that over the next couple of months. I'll probably be 50% exited before earnings, and I'll probably exit the other 50% after their next earnings. Um, but I think I'm going to get out of that trade over the next couple of months. Um, right? I mean, does that kind of make sense? It's like we're, we're there, but there's Listen, if you have absolute confidence, and we have a pretty darn good amount of confidence in the recreational motorsports trade, that it's hot, that these companies are selling everything they can sell, that the bicycle companies are selling everything they could make, right? And so knowing that you have that level of conviction in the, the sales channel, when they finally do announce earnings, is there anything in that earnings report that's going to create that stock not to at least stay flat to go up on earnings? Probably not. I mean, there's a lot of traders, right? And there's traders that are going to take they're going to trade pro take profits in these short term trades. But right. I have a pretty pretty high degree of conviction that I think if I hold them through earnings, I have a better than 50-50 shot at them continuing to go up post-earnings. And that's when I'll exit the other half of my trade. I'm not going to put all of it into that bucket. I'll probably exit part before earnings. But I'm comfortable owning these stocks through earnings. The next yeah, month. the only concern would be that if the, if, the, uh, if the comments come out that they're guiding down because they said this is like a one-time event or something like that. A pull-forward event. And that's why I would sell probably half yeah. pre-earnings and keep the half after because that is out of our control. That's more of a management comment than anything else. And the management could make that comment, quite honestly, as a way to sandbag the next quarter right, and make their life easier. And since I don't really plan to hold these stocks through the quarter after this quarter, I'm not going to benefit from them sandbagging and then beating that on the following earnings call, yeah. which is why I'm, I need to kind of you know manage that risk 
by kind of taking some of my profits before, taking some of them after the next earnings, right? On, yeah. on. So that's how recreational motorsports is going to play out for and me. And going, going along with recreational motorsports is the other outdoor recreation activities. I didn't actually get into Polaris or Sea-Doo or, or any of those, but I did get into Thor, the manufacturer of uh, those RVs and also Camping World. Uh, and, it. That's the one that I didn't buy, and I wish uh, I would have bought Thor. I didn't get in Thor I either. Found, I found Thor about the same time I found Polaris, and uh, I, I picked Polaris, which is also done really well. Yeah, but both of these, I feel like, have like had this momentum, and they've yeah. gone up, and they've done their thing, and now they've kind of been discovered. I feel like we know, if you ask anyone on the street, are people taking an airplane or an RV this summer, they're going to take an RV if they can find one, and so that is to me the tipping point. I'm still holding them right this very minute, but that might be one that um, I'm looking to get out of in the next week or so. Yeah. So Dave, I think the question we need to ask ourselves is similar to Peloton. Um, you know, is this more of a Netflix situation where Netflix says, Hey, we pulled forward demand and we'll probably see a lighter demand later in the year. Or is it a Peloton that where they come out and say, you know what, this was an energizer for our industry. This basically accelerated a movement towards our industry sector. Yeah. And yes, we sold everything we could make, but guess what? We now have 10x the pipeline of new customers that have come into our dealership inquiring about this lifestyle. And you know what they did? They rented an RV this summer because we sold everything we could sell. But we think we're going to be able to then sell the renter, the people that rented an RV this summer and had a great experience. We think we're going to be able to sell them an RV for next spring, right? And so is it's that, one of those moments that kind of changes the thought process towards a uh, you know an activity altogether. So where where you may have thought of you know jumping in an RV as an activity you weren't really interested in, all of a sudden, I think we're getting an RV. You are getting an RV. Uh, Megan's getting an RV, and I will once flying is safe again. I will be flying to meet her in places where she is camping out, and uh, I'll be having a nice hotel. My wife and I were talking about this yesterday. The kids, we were talking to our girls, and uh, told them that I went on a bunch of RV trips when I was a kid, and they they got all excited. They're like, "Let's do an RV," and we're like, "No way, <laughs> no way." Dude, I Can you would... imagine? I don't. I don't sleep on transportation. That's my motto. But I mean, oh. dry like. You drive for like 16 hours to get someplace you could fly in two. Insane. I don't I sleep on transportation would, as a new t-shirt, by the way. Yeah, that's a, that's a I good I would love to have a family that I can go RVing with, but that just doesn't exist in my house. Okay, I love my family. Wait, it's you exciting. would RV? Let me just tell you something. There's never a dull moment in my house, ever. <laughs> but at the same time, we are not an RV-compatible family. It's just not going to happen. We would be that family at the RV park that everyone else is trying to kick out. Like, where did these people, these Italians come from? Get them out of here. They're yelling. They're fighting. There's always a problem. Like, no part of your like, family should ever be in an enclosed space together. Your family, your parents, all of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we, need, we need space. We I, need lots of space. Right? I can say that because we've been friends since high school, and it was, it was sometimes scary to go over to your house where your parents were just – it was the loudest and just most uncomfortable household that I think I've ever been in. 
you know why? I feel like because of that, I've spent so much of my life trying to like slow down and meditate and not be that person. And I think other than this show, I like getting excited on the show because this is my passion topic. In my home, I am the calm one, okay? I am like <laughs> I am the, I am the zen person in my house, but my kids haven't figured that out yet and somehow, you know, the other half of of, of me is my, my wife like it's just it's crazy. It's still crazy. I you have an adventurous that. side, but also you you're you're not your family's not going to go RVing. No. We're we're a spirited family and it, and we don't we we don't we don't work on RVs. But okay, so RV undetermined. I'm not even in the RV trade, but I'm in the outdoor trade. I think I think of it very similar, Dave. I agree to uh, the recreational motorsports trade. I do think that it trails a little bit. Maybe not the RV, but the recreational side trails uh, the motorsports side in terms of of information parity but it's getting there pretty quick right now and i could see myself trading out of that too in the next couple of months the one exception maybe being vista outdoors because i think vista outdoors for me it's like 50 percent great outdoors and it's 50 percent gun trade but it's not it's not the bad gun trade, right? The evil gun trade. It's kind of like ammunition for people that already own guns. It's a little more palpable. Um, <laughs> and what I like about the ammunition trade is it, the, the, when people buy guns and they buy more guns, then the ammunition follows, right? So like right now we know that gun sales are hitting record highs again. You can tell that by the FBI registrations that come out. They're over 3 million in May. I think they're going to be over 3 million again in June, which is going to be insane. Um, and I think the ammunition sales are going to follow. Look, the ammunition sales, are, they hit like an all-time high in March. I think they're going to continue all summer. But I also think that uh, the Joe Biden, Donald Trump, uh, election battle that's going to heat up heavily towards the end of the summer. Um, if Joe Biden shows that he's even close to Trump, uh, I think that's going to propel the ammunition and gun trade further. And again, I think Vista Outdoors is kind of like a safer way to trade it versus a pure trade, a pure play gun trade like Ruger or Smith and Wesson. Um, I just think it's a pure. I think it's a, it's a, it's a more conservative way to play it. So I could see myself sticking with Vista a little bit longer than some of my other outdoor trades. Let's talk about some of the other transitional kind of outdoor trades: Dick Sporting Goods, um, Live Nation for concerts, uh, our Don Julio tequila trade uh, in Diageo. What 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 about those uh, kind we- of other things? Could we could we remove Live Nation from that bucket and put Live Nation in the rebound vaccine trade bucket? Because I think it deserves to be in that bucket. Yeah. Um, but the other ones, like alcohol companies, same thing there. They're kind of part of the outdoor trade, but they're also kind of part of the recovery uh, rebound vaccine trade, right? Because like like they're gonna do well now. And they're going to do well later. That's why I love them so much. That's yeah. why I'm invested in the two big alcohol companies. Because, like, they kind of win in every scenario. you got to love that, right? We have a comment um, right so now asking about mentioning. restaurants and bars just because we happen to be in the industry. That's also in the rebound bucket. But kind of in a yeah. getting getting entertainment meets people just need something to do rebound bucket. Yeah, so Is that so a bucket? That's a long bucket name. The re- yeah, the rebound trade for us, the vaccine trade for us, 
is one that we're not going to exit. I would imagine as long as things continue to be on the up and up, and the vaccine, the, the vaccine news and data continues to come out and get better over the next ninety days. I don't see us exiting that trade for a long time because that trade should just keep going up and up and up, uh, and right up until the point where the, all those stocks are fully recovered and then some. Right. Yeah. So w- when it comes to travel, entertainment, um, all the saber, all that, all that stuff that we're in as part of that vaccine trade, I don't think we're exiting that anytime soon unless. It pops so big on vaccine news that we want to take a little bit off the table. Um, but no, that's. But are you looking at any one. restaurant stock? You're you're not long Cheesecake Factory or uh, Darden. Or... That was one of my new trades. Was that I last went week? long Cheesecake Factory yesterday morning, uh, and I can't believe I'm actually saying that. Uh, but I am long Cheesecake Factory, a stock that I shorted so hard just a few months ago. Um, I'm not going long Dave and Buster's, okay, Uh, but I am going long Cheesecake Factory because I believe that the shelter in place is going to start to transition here, and it already has, and it will continue to transition over the next 60 to 90 days as long as we don't get a second wave. And listen, you have to to get riskier if you want to make money on some of these, uh, you know, bounce back stocks and restaurants are kind of like the last restaurant and apparel retailers are the last kind of buckets that you can get into. And I'm, I'm getting a little more comfortable getting in that bucket. Now I am, I'm getting a little more comfortable. I'm starting to transition a little bit out of the outdoor stuff. Right. And I'm going to be putting my money into the, what was a riskier bucket that every day looks a little bit less risky. Dave, do you know that we're doing 65% of what we were doing at Chelsea corner already? Maybe really? I think we're going to be at seventy percent of revenue here within a couple of weeks of what where we were pre-pandemic. Wow! So that's amazing. You know, like I yeah. know that we're barely uh, our our like Saturday or Sunday report. I saw we, we maybe made a thousand dollars in total sales for the day. So I, I don't think we're bouncing back as quickly at a pure bar. Um, but you just open back up and it's a pure bar, and you're still restricting it to like fifty percent. You yeah. know, so. Um, yeah, so so listen, the vaccine trades, the rebound trades, we're not exiting any of those. We're not going to exit those until like life is normal. If we feel that we're on a road to being normal and that a second wave is not going to happen, I'm not saying it isn't going to happen, but if that's the way we feel, if that's what the data shows us, we will stay in those rebound stocks for a long time until the rebound is over, right? And then now and then we get to a point where we're selling everything, right? And now we're just looking to arbitrage a stock here and a stock there like we were doing, you know, 6 months ago before all this stuff started, right? So when you when you talk about getting back to that rebounding until the rebound is over, like how do you how do you judge when the rebound is over? Do you look at a stock chart of something like Cheesecake Factory and say when that line gets back up to the where they were pre, is that where you sell or is it is it something no, else no when everybody is back in the restaurants and it's very clear and visible that every no one's staying at home anymore we're all but that's already happened we've already seen that we're, we're, we're seeing that right now we're seeing cheesecake factory they already came out and said yesterday we are we're back to normal 
We opened some doors. They're back to normal. They're back to normal. I read the report. You're exaggerating. <laughs> they said that they, in the restaurants that they opened back up in, which was only a small number, Dave, a small number that are probably in the best areas of the country for COVID or um, for this whole deal, right? They they said that they were up like they back up to seventy percent or something like that. I don't know what the number was. It's a, it's a, that's a big. It's not a hundred percent. That's for sure. There's a but hey in the restaurant world. There's a huge difference between seventy percent capacity and a hundred percent. Oh, for a sure, huge difference. The difference okay? between Our profit and losing a lot of money. Exactly. But they yeah. they didn't pay rent so, for a month. So I I actually kind of like Cheesecake Factory. I just don't know that I like it right right now. I feel like the the information edge of them saying we're, Wait, here's, here's our capacity. You like uh, feel like that's you dumb. like the Cheesecake Factory stock, or you like going to Cheesecake Factory? Uh, I like the stock better than going to the restaurant. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, I do like I the love, chicken Madeira, though. Love. It's not bad. Yeah, but they chicken deliver. Are you, are you guys not getting DoorDash? Like, I get DoorDash pretty much every single day. That's a company. Yeah, we cook that, it. We cook everything. We. I'm. I'm a hybrid between you. I am grilling four nights a week. Uh, three nights a week, four nights a week. Amy's cooking lunch and a few dinners, and and we're ordering. Uh, we're ordering a few times a week from a couple of our favorite restaurants, like Chewy's, yeah. uh, and, and occasionally a cheesecake um, factory. But uh, I don't know, Dave. I, I'm ready to get in some of that stuff. You know, I texted you guys yesterday morning. I put it on Discord. I think uh, I am not only in Cheesecake Factory, but I bought uh, what's that weird amusement. Park company. Fun. You bought some fun. Fun. Cedar Park. Cedar Fair. Yeah. I Cedar Fair. Excuse me. I bought Cedar Fair, uh, and I bought a little Six Flags, which I don't like as much as I like Cedar Fair, but I did buy that. And you know what else I bought, Dave? Yesterday. I don't know I because you didn't put, post this in the uh, in the Discord room because that's where everyone's looking to see what you bought. I'm sorry. I need to post it. Like really post it in that in that room for. It. I'm sorry. I will do that today. Uh, I bought more Avis yesterday too because Avis is a big part of that summer deal. Um, and all, but again, again, I see Avis is like fifty percent in the great outdoors and fifty percent in the vaccine rebound trade, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to sell part of it off when the great outdoors is over, and I'm going to sell wait till we're completely back to normal to sell the other half there off. But Dave, getting back to normal has nothing to do with the stock market because the, here's the reality. When we're fully back to normal, guys, when we're fully back to normal, who's to say that the stock market isn't trading at 25% above its all-time highs? That's right? kind of what, who's that's kind of what say, we were thinking with all, the, with all the money that's come into the, into the system, right? I mean, we know that there's yes. a record amount of money out you know, in, in people's checking accounts, right? It's, People haven't spent any money, and they yeah. had some free money given to them, and they... All I've I've seen just reports that people are putting it into their Robinhood accounts or opening a brokerage account. The the new account opens at brokerage houses is crazy right now. Yeah. My TD Ameritrade trade is killing it right now. By the way, uh, they are Schwab. I think there's rumors that the deal is getting approved, so they're up again today. The, yeah, the um, DOJ basically gave it a blessing today. Is what happened. Yeah, which which is awesome. Yep. Um, hey, here's the thing, guys. Who's to say that when this is back to normal, Avis, without having to compete against Hertz, or even if Hertz comes out of bankruptcy as like you know a much smaller company with way fewer cars, who's to say 
that Avis isn't trading 30% higher than its all-time high. I'm not going to say that. So I'm going to wait to see when we're back to when I feel we're back to normal. I'm just going to sell my Avis, not even looking at how much it's trading at, and then we'll see what it's at. But, well, did I did, did it go back to 30% above all-time highs? So I think if you use the high mark as a measuring stick that things are back to normal, that's the wrong measuring stick, right? And that's why I say don't look at stock price because who's to say that a restaurant like Cheesecake Factory, that by the way, Cheesecake Factory made some major acquisitions this last year in new restaurant concepts that are really cool, actually. We, you know that lady restaurant over in Inwood Village, Dave? Uh, the, the one where all the ladies eat? The you know, one the, with the, the souffles and stuff? Oh, uh, yeah, Rise, yeah. Style. Yeah, so like, now, what if you're a restaurant and you're trying to expand and now you get to you get all these premium these premium locations because all these brick and mortar stores went out of business during 2020 and you're able to get locations that were way better before. So who's to say that Cheesecake Factory doesn't trade 20, 30 percent above all time highs when we're back to normal fully? Right. Yeah. So like that's the thing that people. Get. Oh, by the way. Don't discount the three or four or five trillion dollars that we've injected into the economy from the Fed by then, right? So, like again, I think I think by saying, "Oh, we're at all-time highs," it's over. I'm not looking at the the numbers. I'm looking at where we are, right? Well, think about how many competitors have gone out of business, right? So obviously, Hertz, um, but then you know, I mean, there's probably a lot of small businesses that aren't able to survive some of this stuff, and so then. The big public company um, is going to get the the get more market share. Jordan, how about let's talk about J.C. Penney. J.C. Yeah. is bankrupt. They right. might end up actually having to sell off everything, right? All their all the stores. It could really go bankrupt this time. Like no more J.C.P. That's a possibility, right? And if that happens, and you know, guys, I moved to Dallas in '87. My dad was a J.C. Penney for almost 30 years. He was a litigator. Uh, with J.C. Penney, so it, it, I hold that close to my heart, that company. But if that's gone, uh, Amazon could come in. It's rumored that Amazon is maybe going to come in and buy J.C. Penney. Could you imagine? They will have warehouses, smaller warehouses, way closer to everyone because J.C. Penney's has stores in rural areas, urban areas. Like that could be a huge win for Amazon. Right. Like so the new economy is going to have so many things happening that we're not even thinking about right now that could help the winners. So the yeah, losers yeah. go away. The winners might come out stronger than we ever would have imagined I, for numerous reasons. I had not thought about the possibility of Amazon having small warehouses as the anchor tenant at malls across the country. That's that. But that could happen. So not to get too far off topic, but on that uh, on that note, I, I talked to a startup that basically they were turning mall storefronts like the back half of it into like a like into a warehouse for these companies. Right. And so that was kind of their concept is to enable, um, you know, like storefront pickup and, you know, shopping and stuff like that. But on the backside, you turn you turn your business into e-commerce. Um, it was kind of an interesting concept. That's actually pretty cool because they could – then, Jordan, they could mix uh, – rather than having to have their inventory sitting in a random location for e-commerce, they can have it all in one location for pickup, 
and right and, and yeah maybe you give up like half your square feet of uh of retail space um which i think is fine but then you know the back half is just it's just stacked with inventory and you really yeah. only need a small showpiece in the front anyways to give people an idea of what's going on you don't need to put out every size you know you just hey do you have a 10 do you have a you know whatever and they go to the back I get it it's interesting yeah very interesting um okay so I want to make sure we get all of our sectors covered. Another sector, guys, was our, what do we call that episode? Sports is coming back. It's like the return of sports. Um, We have, obviously, GAN's a big trade. So let's ignore the GAN trade for now because we already talked about that. But if there are other sports-related trades in there, um, you know, that trade would obviously, you'd want to exit that right when sports actually do come back in July. So I think there's an opportunity for some people we're not really doing too much of this, uh, but to go in on the sports trade on companies like even though I am in on this, like like I don't know that I want to own DraftKings and Penn National post when sports come back. I will own those through July, mm-hmm. and, but when when baseball is here and hockey's doing their playoffs and the NBA potentially comes back and does playoffs at Disney World and all this stuff. Like all the excitement around like like gambling, sports, and all that stuff, I'm gonna stick with Gan, but I might sell my DraftKings on that pop and that Penn National on that pop when it happens. That that's kind of my. So my, now, as far as uh, reopening stocks and sports play stocks, there's one that kind of hits both of those. Uh, what are you gonna do with it, Disney? Well, yeah, I mean, Disney is like again, Disney's kind of one of those irrational kind of irrational uh, holdings I have that I don't always play by the rules and I'm embarrassed to say it. Uh, is it truly an information arbitrage stock long-term? I think it might be, um, but I have a hard time selling all my Disney. And I, I kind of have this idea that I think Disney over the next 10 years will continue the, the same way that Amazon and Apple has been able to leverage that distribution and leverage their branding. I think Disney is going to be at the same kind of structural advantage, um, whether it's entertainment. Once they get their own channel, the Disney Plus becomes a real thing in the next three to five years. I think they could circumvent cable and start to market a lot of their products directly to consumers, start to market their their cruise ships, right, through Disney Plus. Can you imagine? Directly to consumers, start to package a lot of Disney experiences. And I think I just like Disney long term. So I don't really see myself short term getting out of my Disney. I don't own a ton of Disney right now. I got 2,000 shares, which for me is is a pretty conservative amount uh, in the company. And I don't see myself trading out of that after the sports gets back. But I do see myself trading out of DraftKings and Penn National. Uh, when sports finally comes back. Yeah, and GAN is my only uh, gambling play. I did not get into DraftKings or Penn. Yeah, so, and they've come down. DraftKings and Penn, I think, have come down the last few days, too, mm-hmm. with this kind of rotational trade that we've had. So, um, are there any other sectors that we missed that we were trading? Oh, wait. We have the bounce back sector. Talked about that. Sports, we didn't talk about outdoors, entertainment, like movie theaters and concert venues. Dave, I feel like that's just part of the vaccine bounce back. That we don't get out of that until life is normal. If we think we're on a road to life being normal and nothing's going to stop that, yeah. then we don't get off that train until we're really back, like a hundred percent. When we're back a hundred percent. 
that's when we say, we're back, cash out of everything, and then we get right back into what we've always done, which is just trying to hit up these information arb trades uh, as, as, they, as, as we discover them, right? Which I can't wait to be back there, guys, because right now I can't manage this many. <laughs> I, there are too many opportunities to be managing. I'm overwhelmed. I, I, I pop in Discord, Discord uh, the Dumb Money Discord channel, and like my, 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 my anxiety level starts going up because people are talking about new things and new ideas, and like I can't handle that much stuff because um, it takes me too long to go all in on research on even one thing. So people are like, what do you think about this? And I'm like, well, I'll add that to my research list. And I do. I add it to my research list. But will I ever actually get to this stuff? Because it, it just takes a lot of time, yeah. right? Like, can we talk about one trade today that I think is going to be super interesting? There is a guy in our Discord group. I think it's a guy. Um, uh, he has, he's been doing really well, evidently, on a lot of this stuff. And he's, he's been talking about Party City. And Party City, I thought, is a fascinating trade. They have earnings today. Uh, Party City is a company that has like 750 retail stores that have been basically closed down for the most part the last few months. But they also own the what appears to be one of the largest distributorships. So they manufacture and distributor uh, distribute party supplies. They're like one of the biggest distributors of party supplies on Amazon. Um, and so the concept is we have as you know we haven't been able to do a lot of partying in the last few months so instead of like you have a kid who's had a birthday party instead of spending $500 to go to the jump park and inviting 15 friends to the birthday party right instead of doing that maybe you're buying like a lot of just party stuff for the house you're having a drive by party where the kids drive by you're having de decorations outside and balloons and all this stuff and you're ordering all that online i still think at the end of the day uh, that online business does not recover what the party city has lost offline. And I think their earnings are not going to be awesome. But they were trading like a bankrupt, a near bankruptcy company a week ago. Uh, they raised a bunch of money last Friday and the stock doubled. Okay. It, went, it tripled actually for a moment. It went from like 50 cents to a buck 50. Now it's come back down to 110, 115. No, it's, 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 it's a dollar 45. It's a $1.45 right now. Whoa, it's up today. All right. So 10% today. Well, yeah. I bought some. I bought some Party City yesterday. And uh, this trade, this earnings trade today is going to be interesting. I think, I don't know. I don't have super strong feelings on it. But I think I think I kind of like the risk reward on the long side here. I, I think I think Party City is more likely to go back into the twos uh, than to drop back below one. So, but only because they have... Th they have this distributing distributorship, which I think the market doesn't truly appreciate that much. Um, and so I get the narrative there. And I also think that people are I think I just think they're going to I think they're going to do OK. I don't think yeah. they're going to go bankrupt. I don't think it's a four dollar stock again. But I think I could see it. I think I could see the market being like, OK, these guys are not going bankrupt. It's not as bad as we thought it was. I think that's how it plays out today. I don't feel I'm not. I don't have enough conviction to put a lot of money into the trade. Hey Chris, but I have Brian Cruz. Brian Cruz just commented and said that the earnings are on the 12th, not today. Yeah. Oh, I thought they were today. Nope. You got I in early. Four. Whatever. All right. So we're <laughs> in another week. Okay, we're in another week. I am what? not going to buy Party City. 
it's not going to happen. So we were trying to figure out what the, the competitor to Party City is, and it is um, Oriental Trading Company, and that oh, company yeah. is earned by owned by Berkshire Hathaway. So that was when I was trying to figure out what what is who are the competitors that could also benefit from this balloon craze that Chris was trying to convince me of. It, you don't think it'll move the needle for uh, Burke B? I mean, I, you never <laughs> no. know, but um, I did not jump into the Party City. Uh, I'm not on the bandwagon. Um, I'm on the Amazon bandwagon on this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a smart way to trade it. By the way, speaking of Amazon, uh, they this might not be the worst time to put a short-term Amazon trade on the next few weeks. They're having this big event this summer. They're not going to do Prime Day, I guess, this year, right? No, but they, uh, but they, they announced in in their in its place to try to jumpstart their uh, business again from switching from necessities and urgent care needs over to traditional things that people just buy and, and try to get their sellers to get their warehouses full of that kind of merchandise again. They are doing, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's some kind of like summer sale. Yeah. I think it's I think it's interesting. I could see Amazon getting a bump on that. You know, their data has looked really good the last few weeks, uh, last last month or so. They're starting to, the data on Amazon starting to accelerate again in terms of their search data. Um, so Amazon's kind of interesting. I might I might put a small uh, options trade, long options trade on, just kind of going into this event and the hype and just getting the market to kind of look at Amazon again. I actually think that Amazon could be really interesting through this next earnings. So we'll see. Um, and, it, and it basically but, is uh, called the summer sale event. And it's uh, for their sellers uh, to get their get their sales jump started. Uh, they're starting it on June 22nd. And it can run anywhere from 7 to 10 days, they're saying. So, did interesting. you say June 22nd, Dave? June 22nd, yes. Yeah, for I might week, put that trade on this week, actually. Yeah, and I'll put it in for like the uh, I'll probably buy the month the, the June monthlies, you know, on that trade. So you know, as I normally do, I'll probably be at the money or slightly in the money when when I do it. I'll I'll try to throw the trade up on Discord uh, once I place it. Uh, so Dave, to answer your question, the entertainment stuff, Live Nation. You try pulling Live Nation from my cold dead hands until we're at a hundred percent capacity in the economy. I'm not selling it until we're hundred percent back. <laughs> That's my trade. Now, I will say this. You show me a second wave ha- happening, and we, the second wave is showing signs. Uh, if I feel a second wave is happening, I will dump Live Nation along with Marriott, along with Southwest Airlines, along with Sabre, along with uh, all my restaurant stocks, which is Cheesecake Factory, um, along with every other rebound stock I have. I will temporarily sell every rebound stock I have if I think that second wave is gaining momentum. Jordan, yesterday in Dallas, it was nice to see. You know, Dallas popped up to 250 cases uh, two days ago. Yesterday, we were just above 200. It was nice to see that we didn't continue that acceleration up again, don't you think? Well, I feel like Dallas, I mean, you know, it's just kind of it's kind of wavy, but I feel like Dallas has been pretty flat. Most of Texas, I feel like, has looked really good. Um, any th- any spikes that we've seen recently look like they've been in um, pretty small towns. Like I, there was one county that I was like, what county is this? And apparently it's um, uh, the county host Huntsville. So like the prison and the university out there. So uh, 
I don't know if that was like a prison outbreak. I tried to just scan the news real quick and I, I couldn't really tell, but there've been a couple of small counties that pop up like 500 cases and then they drop right back off. That's um, really, which is interesting. don't you think that's just a great sign? I, I, listen, I'm a little, I'm actually kind of shocked that we haven't seen a bigger second wave yet. Um, but the fact that we haven't seen one is a great sign. I hope we don't get one. Yeah. You know, kids are about to enter the Petri dish that is summer camp and people are sending their kids. Not everyone, but, you know, we're not. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's there's people that are. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. It's funny. The summer camp, evidently, one of them came out and said that they I know there's one that said a big one. They will not be doing any social distancing in summer camps. So they recommend that you quarantine your kid for one week prior to summer camp and two weeks after summer camp like anyone's gonna do that but hey the data is the data let's see what happens a sec the second wave is either gonna happen or it's not gonna happen i don't have any yeah. political thoughts or any this is not a religion for me okay it just is what it is and i'm gonna watch it and i'm gonna trade it and if a second wave doesn't happen I'm going to keep my 140% long position, <laughs> right? And maybe even make it longer. Uh, Michael Crockett just commented Houston, and he's he's kind of, I mean, if you look at Harris County on, um, you know, on the charts, it's, you know, kind of like a steady, I mean, it's not like, they're not going nuts, but it's, you know, they're hanging around in the two to 300 a day range, and they're really not going down, Um they're not going down, but they're not. They're going not. Down. It doesn't look like it's really accelerating crazy. I mean, it's going up a little bit, but it's not. It's not taking over, from what I can tell, just from the high level numbers. Yeah, and that and that is really good news. So let, let's watch it. Let's watch it every day. I I said I put something on Discord. Basically, up. Oh, I'm disconnected. Shoot. Nope, you're still on the air. You're, you're on the. Oh, just, it just says I'm disconnected. Okay. We can All still right, hear you. Okay. <laughs> All right, you say so. Um, so I think we covered all the sectors, right? Can you still see us? Oh, hey, there's one. There's one. Um, it's kind of reopening um, airlines because we are all. I don't know if we're all, but Chris and I know are in um, Southwest. Dave, did you buy Southwest? I did not. I stayed away from the airlines and the rental cars, and I'm regretting I've, the uh, the Avis. No. I should have tried harder on that trade, but uh, definitely, I'm I'm not in love either. Yeah. I, hey, I just got a text from one of my very good neighborhood friends, Mark. Uh, he says he's sending his kids to summer. He must be watching the show. <laughs> he's sending his kids to uh, summer summer camp at Ozark, which is the big. That's where my kids were going. We're not sending them, uh, but you know we're super conservative. Uh, he's getting. He said he had to get them tested. He got them tested yesterday, and they have to submit the results. So that's interesting. Some camps are actually making your kids get tested. Um, so, which is nice to hear. That's actually, I think that's a really responsible way to do it. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. I like that. Anyway, uh, guys, so do we, do we all, do we think we've done a good enough job explaining what our exit strategy, what our info, what our social ARB exit strategy is? It's if you do think we've done parody. enough job, smash the like button. And if you don't, don't smash the dislike button. Well, if you if you ever hit if you ever accidentally hit the thumbs down, just hit it again. It turns it right off. It's cool. We don't care. But isn't isn't a dislike better than nothing? I actually think it is. We have one dislike. Whoever <laughs> hit dislike you felt something. Yes, right? you had a, least, an emotional reaction. <laughs> we just we just want to make you feel. Right, that's it. We don't. We're 
Remember, we're not we are not financial advisors, guys. Please do not take this as financial advice. If you ever ask us, like, what should I do on the Discord channel, you'll notice that we will never tell you what to do with your money. We will never tell you what to do with your trades. Um, we will tell you what we're doing, how we think about things, how we analyze social ARB opportunities, how we vet them. Um, we'll teach you how this all works and how we go about it. But our risk tolerance is likely very different than yours. So don't do what we do because you're not us. But figure out your own strategy or how you want to take what we do and twist it for your own world. And you're going to have That's to uh, you're going to have to take a look at your portfolio, Chris, because uh, things have really changed dramatically during the uh, hour and a half that we've been on the air here. Oh no! Am I getting crushed? You probably well, your portfolio looks different than mine, but uh, I went from being positive about. 100 grand to being negative about 30 grand. So that's a pretty big swing. Uh, I am positive 80 uh, still, really? but I was I was positive 200 earlier. Um, so it's still a good day. Uh, but let's see. It looks like I'm trying to look at the names that got crushed here. Nothing like Amazon's down. Like the market I must have come down, but you know, oh, Dave, I don't want to say this, but Avis is still up pretty heavy <laughs> today. <laughs> Well, of, course it is. Half, of course so it they, is. Of course it is. They were they were up 10%, now they're up 6.5%. So they, they came down a touch. Good hey, maybe it's a buying opportunity. Today. Should I buy Avis today, Chris? I Maybe. I might. If you're still in it, that means you're still buying it. Look, I I'm think long buying it. Avis like is I said, good, like uh, I, if I'm in it, that means I bought it again today. Like I I repurchase my whole portfolio every day. That's what we teach, guys. You right. mentally if you're in a stock, that means you repurchased it that day. So if you don't like where it is that day, sell it, right? Because you're repurchasing it. Yep. Um, guys, are there any new trades? I kind of thought I would save the new trades for the end of the episode, but I already kind of discussed all my new trades no, during I the think, episodes. Yeah, I think we've kind of already talked about the trades. What you should do is go log those trades into the Discord group for all of the people who um, want to see that. Uh, okay. And I did so see a comment float by um, – Asking me and Jordan if we had made any trades. I I bought some energy transfer today. Energy transfer. Oh, ET? Yeah. Yep. That's the one that we keep saying we're gonna talk about, but we don't because we haven't done our own research. It was a yeah. it was a tip from a neighborhood friend who understands the industry and he general and Jordan, you've done some research, but he thinks that this particular stock, while they are kind of levered out on their balance sheet, that even if oil stays depressed for a prolonged period of time, they do so much business when it comes to moving around natural gas that they're not going to be impacted to a big degree. So it's a stock. They were paying 16% dividend when we when I invested in them. They confirmed they were, that dividend too. Um, and they confirmed the dividend. Yeah. So I don't know anything about energy or energy yeah. <laughs> trading or energy stocks, but I was like, you know what? This guy has been really successful Um in, in that world for 20 some odd years and you know he made a convincing argument to me and so i thought why not i i don't ever do this stuff i'm gonna buy this et this energy transfer company and at some point i'll do my own research and either sell it or stay in but i haven't gotten around to it yet yeah i bought a little just a small portion of what i might buy um because i haven't done any research on it either i didn't even read the one link you sent me to read about it so <laughs> i i don't think that we can talk about this stock until we've actually uh bothered doing the research but i did buy Look, some the, just the not... only research i've done is on seeking alpha and they play, they laid out pretty much the same case that i kind of heard secondhand from chris 
I did. Um, that, I did uh, that basically, that basically crude is maybe like 25% of their business. Um, natural gas is like 30%, and then they do a bunch of other stuff too. Guys, could we talk about a summer trade? This is like the first summer trade that, that we talked about on the show that I got a lot of junk for. I got a lot of heat for this one because everyone was like, really? Really? Ford? Ford? Uh, and I Ford. stuck with it. I not only bought a bunch of Ford, but I levered up in Ford, okay? <laughs> and here we are. Ford is up. I bought. I got in that thing at like 485, I think. Yeah. And it's now trading in the sixes, right? Oh, 628 wow. right now. Congrats. Six, yeah. So, man, how about that Ford trade? How about I just want to guys? say, look at that stock chart. Pull up the stock. Pull up the five-year, Dave, on Ford. Is that a company you want to pour money into? Yeah, uh, yeah five-year chart. Look at the five-year. Five yeah, Jordan, oh, man, for a couple a months it is. Line down. Yeah, yeah, but Jordan, you know what? You got to realize I'm not getting married to Ford. I'm going on a few dates with Ford, okay? I'm, it's a summer fling, all right? That's what it is. It's a summer fling. I'll, I'll, repeat, I'll repeat the thesis. I know, I know. I don't think they're going out of business. I think gas is cheap. Interest rates are low. You can finance seven years, 0%. That might be over now, but it was seven years, 0%. Where, 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 let me ask you a question. Ford is almost all trucks these days, right? They're all about the trucks. Well, what kind of people buy trucks? People in the South, people in the West. People in the South, people in the West, they're really not scared of all this. They've been going out way more than people in the Northeast. I think Ford is ideally positioned not to do well, not to do great, but not to do horrifically bad, which is how they were priced. They yeah. were basically priced for this. These guys might go out of business. OK, like, yeah, and for sure. all I was saying was I think Ford is going to have a kind of a mediocre to not so great, but not the worst summer. Do we and know I, if their I factories are back open? Enough. What? Do we know if their factories are back open? Like, are they making cars again? I of course the factories are coming back open. I, I mean, I think they are. I think they were talking about them coming back open. Or, or yeah. I think they are. Or they're yeah. coming back. It's not an all or nothing thing. I think they're like slowly getting them ramped up. This is but, an example, Chris, where you are going against your own judgment, though, and you are looking at the stock chart and saying they're priced way lower than they should be. And without really <laughs> having the information... You're just saying, okay, I think that Ford should be back in, at but, least but, but in that Dave, red range. But, Dave, here's the thing. Yes, the pricing was there, but that's not what drove it. It was the conversations around Ford at the time. The conversations around Ford and the way Wall Street was looking at them, everyone was like, Ford, it's it's, it's over. These guys can't sell any car. Like, they're literally paralyzed, right? And everyone thought, what's going to happen? They were counting how long they would have to bankruptcy and all this stuff. And so, you, yeah, you just, I, mean, I, I, I did think look at the stock. I did. You're, you're talking about you're Ford right. made us get seven more thumbs downs. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, thanks for the 238 positives. We I love don't it. care. I'm in my Ford. <laughs> I will make enough money on Ford this summer to buy myself a Bronco when it eventually comes out in 50 years. The, talk about the worst management team ever. Ever. Like, I can't even believe how long it's taken these guys to get this stupid Ford Bronco. They won't even have the... They could at least do a virtual event announcing it. I mean, come on. And everything that I've seen, the car sucks. So there's that too. Well, I don't... It's not what I wanted. Yeah. It's not the 80s, 90s Bronco I wanted. 
But I don't know that you can say that it sucks, Jordan. I mean, like, what? Like, it? It's not awesome, but it. You know, don't be, don't be negative. I've been looking forward to this thing for like ten years, and it's finally coming. And I'm trying to get myself excited about it because I, I, you know what I love? I love the concept of owning a brand new thirty-five thousand dollar car that you love. Like you don't have to. It's not an eighty thousand dollar car. It's not a hundred. It's a thirty-five thousand dollar car. I want to own a thirty-five thousand dollar car. I hate that I spent sixty-seven thousand dollars on my Yukon seven years ago, six years ago. That seemed insane to me for a stupid truck. I <laughs> agree. I mean, I, I I have gotten to a point in my life to where I hate automobiles. Like we have them. They're fine. You get around, but like I hate just throwing money away at these things. Did, I, like, don't you love the concept of spending thirty five thousand, maybe forty tops yeah. on a car? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I having a having a car take up space in your garage just doesn't make sense. Why did we build an entire house around like having this hole for you to park the thing that you get around in? That should just be a thing that just shows up when you need it and goes away when you don't. And that's why I'm going to have a self-driving Tesla that I park in a remote lot that just comes and picks me up and takes me where I want to go. And that's it. That's all I need. Ah! Self-driving Teslas, and that's why I'm a Tesla owner and not a Ford owner, and I will be um, – I, I don't even think I'm going to put my Tesla in the fleet for other people to get in. I'm just going to have my own Tesla. I might have three or four Teslas driving around picking other people up, but I'm going to have the Tesla that, that Elon bought for me for free because of my investment in Tesla. That's my whole – basically, that's my new – philosophy is I'm buying only stocks that I want something for free and I'm going to invest in it until it pays for it. We always say that, Dave, but the reality is we make all the money on the stock and then we never actually buy anything. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I buy every single thing that Apple comes out with and I will continue to do that. And do you know know who pays for it? Apple. On my Apple credit card, on my Apple iPhone, just tap to buy. (laughs) <laughs> we've, we've we've really just gone off the uh, wheels off on this show so far. Wheels <laughs> off. Any anything else we need to talk about? Or are we done? <laughs> I don't know. Any any comments, Dave? I'm having trouble finding the comment. It's it's this is all jacked up. You see any comments? Oh, we have a lot of comments. Uh, watch upload on Amazon. This is Brian Cruz. Watch upload on Amazon. You can see the self-driving cars. It's awesome. Set for uh, 2033. Come on, can't we do can't we do self-driving cars before 2033? I'm ready for it in 2021. Dave has been talking about. I remember when Dave was. 13, 14 years old, and we were in high school uh, and or middle school or high school, and he was talking about self-driving flying cars and how he was going to own one in a yes. few years when they finally come out. I invented the like technology that would have worked. Them. I had this whole this whole like thing drawn up. I remember our idea binders when we were living in L.A. and we just like every crazy idea we had. That was one of them. My my methodology yes, to convert traditional roads into self-driving roads. It would be low cost. I can't remember exactly how that was done, but that was that was long before we had LIDAR and uh, whatever it is they're using now. Well, LIDAR is the inferior technology, according to Musk. Right? Dave's favorite movie of all time is Back to the Future. Yeah. And I got – do you still have that thing I got you? Didn't I get you a Pepsi? You got me. Well, the the Pepsi the Pepsi bottle that that was in the year twenty what was it twenty 
16? No, 20... It was called something on the show. Pepsi. It was 2015 that they went to, right? I can't remember. But yeah. it was it was the pe- it was the new Pepsi that was in the little bottle that came uh, came shooting out of the table at Cafe 80s. I, I'll bring it. I'll bring it on the show sometime. It'll. I'll, I'll put it on this book pe- case behind me. Pepsi had a limited release where they let you went online. And I literally got on my computer and I waited and I hit the button a thousand times and I actually got one. I was one of like the I don't know two thousand people that got them and I gave it to Dave. I think it was a housewarming gift for this house. Yes, I, and probably the <laughs> coolest gift I've ever gotten. So thank you. That was awesome. <laughs> um, all right. What else have we got? Any comments that we should address before we sign off? There are a ton of comments, but let me let me roll roll backwards here a little bit and see. Um, I mean, people uh, are basically uh, having conversations about what we were talking about, and we have those all going on the screen. If you guys have a comment, a, a question that you'd like us to address. Drop it down in that comment in the chat box right now because we will get to a few before we sign off here today. Tim says yeah, Musk so, doesn't uh, say LiDAR is inferior. He says it's not needed and adds significant cost. In the future, when it's cheaper, it will make more sense. You know what? That's actually true. I spent I went in on like a deep dive on LiDAR, I don't know, last year trying to figure out was it Waymo was it Waymo that Google owns mm-hmm. or Tesla and I agree like when you start really researching it Tesla actually does have the better model for self-driving like like that that old technology that Google's been working on for years now under that division it is really bulky and expensive and it doesn't even work as well as the data driven approach that Tesla uh, has gone the, with the so data, it's, the I, data I slash of, camera approach that uh, Tesla does, yeah, yeah. But maybe it's ultimately going to be some combination of the two. I I don't know. I don't know. Let's uh, let's answer a question because I want to know what your thought is on this too, Chris. Uh, how is your restoration hardware trade? So we're, we're both in I, restoration, I, I, and I'm actually trying to figure out when to sell it myself. Um, I exited 50%, and I'll tell you why, uh, because it was a stock that I did want to be part of. I, I knew that it's a stock that I, honestly, I want to own Restoration Hardware um, when we come out of this. It's one of these great rebound stocks, um, but there's been so much positivity around the name that I feel like, you know, Again, we're getting pretty close to information parity on restoration hardware. I sold 50%. At some point, I might sell the other 50% if the positivity continues. Um, I, it's a great company, though, right? It's just like it's a great company. I love the brand. I think they're going to continue to surprise. They do really bold things. Uh, honestly, have you guys been, Dave or Jordan? Jordan, you haven't been yet, but have you been, Dave, to their their flagship store in Manhattan? I've been to the one in Manhattan. They have one in Dallas now, or, or they're opening it soon. I think I got an oh, wait, email have you saying it's open. Restaurant on top. It's like the craziest thing I've ever seen. They're amazing. I've I've been to New York, and I think I've I've driven by the one in Miami or Fort Lauderdale or wherever I was. Um, all of them are beautiful. It's like I've never seen retail stores like this. And even before they they sh- they like shut down and are building a flagship store here, their normal store, their just small store, was really neat, just the way it's set up. And I can't wait for the new one to open here. Honestly, I'm going to say something like 
when I walked into that restoration hardware store in Manhattan, the one in the meatpacking district, and we had we had brunch. Uh, we took the family. We spent a morning there. Okay, like how? First of all, how crazy. We spent the morning at Restoration Hardware. First, we went in. We walked around the store. We went up and had a beautiful brunch at one of those beautiful patios in Manhattan to have brunch in. And it's you know been like kind of a hot thing to do in Manhattan the last couple of years since they opened. Um, after that, we went down to the coffee shop on I think like the fourth floor, and we had coffee. Uh, they'll bring it right to you. They'll bring it to you. They have a little coffee bar. While we sat on a cloud sofa, um, it's like an eight, nine thousand dollar cloud sofa, and it was just an experience. And then we went to the basement, looked at the baby section, all this stuff. And like, honestly, I was so stunned at what that will do for a brand. Like, restoration hardware after that experience is cemented into my head. And all I could think about is if I were in the market for something, any type of furniture. Now, you know how cheap I am when it comes to furniture. So 90% of the time, I'm just going to buy something off of Wayfair or Amazon, like I do with my outdoor patio stuff. But when we're ready to buy something nice, like a sofa for our living room, I can guarantee you I'm looking for a reason to go to Restoration Hardware and spend half a day. I do the same thing. The problem is they always price me out. So I get the idea and the inspiration from Restoration, and then I go try to find something that looks like it. somewhere else that yeah. looks like the restoration one. Go on and Wayfair Jordan, and try to okay. find the similar item. Right. Yeah. And I think that's okay because I think the market is split there. I think I am going to do what you do, Jordan, most of the time. But there are some times when I really just want something really – like a sofa, the quality difference, to, to get something of the, to match that quality – you're gonna. You could save a little bit of money, but the hassle to save a little bit of money is probably not worth it. So, like, I'll I'll just listen. And by the time you're picking the fabric and the color and the t- like, I want to see and feel and all that stuff. I, and there's some people that are just never gonna do that anyway. They're just gonna get the restoration hardware one. And yeah. I think they are developing a brand of the likes of a Lululemon, of a Peloton. Uh, of you know an Amazon, Apple. Like, I think an the, the, Apple. I think they like, like I Apple. Think, I think they are the Apple. Apple changed the Apple of furniture. Yeah, Apple changed the way you buy computers by coming up with this retail concept and having a genius bar and having all the products out in this big open beautiful space. That's what Restoration's doing for furniture. It's the FAO shorts for grownups. Yeah, but don't say FAO shorts because that's a bad. <laughs> they could never stay in business. But think of think well, of I, places I, where you would actually go to a store as a tourist destination when you were in New York. That's that's what I'm yeah. referring to. And you know what's so great, Dave? Would they have these restaurants? I don't know how much revenue they're doing, but it's got to be fourteen, fifteen million a year out of that restaurant. I mean, yeah. it's insane. And I think that if we think about the next decade and what's happening with interest rates and with financial engineering. And with the Fed, the, let's just say this. The rich are going to get richer, okay? Now, what I mean by that, I'm not saying taxes aren't going to go up because they are. But you cannot stop in an environment like this. It's very hard to stop that top 1% from getting bigger. And I think the top 1%, it's going to grow to like the top 2%. And it's going to double in size. And there is going to be a section of the globe that is just wealthy, okay? And they are going to buy a lot of their stuff. Yeah, and I actually don't I don't think Restoration Hardware is the top 1% or top 2%. I think it's the top 25% all the way up to 2%. Because once you're in the top 1% or 2%, you're probably buying designer, probably having, uh, you know, 
an in- ah! my interior designer would not let me shop at Restoration Hardware, so I just hey, had to go do that stuff on my you, own. You are such a snooty furniture <laughs> guy. You are like top one tenth of one percent when it comes to that stuff. You and your designer. I, oh, by the way, guys, can you you got to do a home tour for our channel at some point? Yeah, Dave's house. I don't think you'll it'll ever show on camera how beautiful it actually is in real life. It is like just a boutique hotel, like a modern <laughs> a modern boutique hotel. Every room is a stunner. If you but, go to hey, uh, hey you, there, you're Dave not here in the real world, Dave. Last summer, I like go to Dave's house because it feels relaxing. Like you walk in and you just feel relaxed with the I environment. I love just sitting. Yeah. In, I love doing. I, I agree. Well, and that little game. He has like a game room in the back, but it's like a par. It's like not a game room. It's a gaming parlor in the back room where you want to like take a whiskey and 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 just like it's it's ridiculous dave well we should we should do a we should do a tour if you watch all of our dumb money episodes and all of the hey there dave here episodes you do see a lot of it because unlike this live thing where i'm up in my attic basically with some fake bookshelves behind me um this 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 all came from like this was over in my uh, downstairs landing this was in my storage thing and i just put some stuff on it the rest of the house is actual like crazy designer furniture and just go watch some of the old videos. Maybe I'll do a tour at some point, but it's fun. I, I Dave, enjoy. Is, let me ask you this. Is the fire pit that's in the center of your pool that's underwater and has fire coming out of the water? Is that working yet? You know, it's been, what, five years and uh, it is no longer functional and may <laughs> I may just pull the plug on even trying to get that to work as an idea. Um, Sad. I know. So basically, well, it has to. You've been through so much with it, Dave. You have to. Get, I want to see it work. It's the coolest thing. I, I, it needs to work. So basically, I, I did tell the pool maintenance company that I would like them to come take a look at it again. There's an electrical thing. There's a gas plumbing thing, and there's a there's so many moving parts that to get it all done at the same time. I think they have to like rip the tile off, and it's it's just. A nightmare. Maybe if you ever get a pool, Chris, if you ever have your backyard transformed into the wonderland I hear you're trying to talk about doing <laughs> next year or two years from now, whatever, then I'll get your pool guy to come fix my fire pit. Because I know that you'll have done okay, all the perfect. research and I find the that, absolute the I right. Think, I think we have it scheduled for October 1st is when we're hoping to start on the pool project. And you ever watch those shows, like those crazy pool shows that are all in like South Florida with the boulder guy and they're craning boulders in? Yeah. Like, okay, it's kind of cheesy, <laughs> but that's what we're getting. Okay. Like, we're going to do this, like, we're going to have waterfalls and the slide and like the whole, like, I want to have like a lounge chair section with a water wall behind you. So when you're in the lounge chairs, you hear the water coming down a water wall. And then when it hits the ground, it forms in a little streams that go between the lounge chairs and then drop into the pool. So it's like a raised section where you're lounging with water behind you crackling down, forms in like these little streams and then ultimately falls into waterfall into the pool. I can't wait that to see this. That sounds expensive. All my head. I love it. I love it. You know, I never... I never do anything extravagant, but like we spend a lot of time in our house and like this, we're, we're pool people, we're ocean and like water people. Like this is the one thing I want to do 
Like, I want to spend some time and do it right. So when we do it, guys, I'll put it on the show. I'll put the whole process on the show because it's going to be fun. People apparently like it when we just randomly talk about everything because we're at, like, our peak viewership right now. We have 593 <laughs> yeah. people watching us talk about your crazy pool idea and my crazy <laughs> fire in the in the pool. So, so here's the thing. Can I just say something? Oh, and I'm willing to spend money on And you know how cheap I am. But, like, I'm, I'm mentally preparing myself not to be a frugal cheap ass for this thing right and so uh here i called the company in the show it's called i forget the name's guy yeah it's like a name in florida this guy i looked him up on the internet and he's like they do out-of-state pools so it's like we could get the boulder guy who like goes to colorado and finds these crazy boulders we could get the guy and like in the fine print it's like all out-of-state jobs half a million dollar minimum i'm not buying a half million dollar pool that is not that is not in any world going to happen in my house. So you're looking for you the know how small my backyard is. Yeah, I can't even imagine this giant water wall. Where where's it going to go? How, what are your neighbors going to think when you build a tower in your backyard to have water falling it's down? It's not going to be that high, but the pool's going to be sunken and the, it will be like 8 feet high. That's high enough, right? And I, so I can't tell you from experience they do have in in our city a very strict restriction on how far from the wall from the property line you have to be and the reason the fire pit is actually in the middle of my pool instead of on the edge where I wanted it is it was too close to the neighbor's property. So I had to literally put the fire in the middle of the pool coming out of the water because, well, but first they, that sounded cool. I, and I read the code and I might be wrong, but my understanding is it's where the pool is. And what I'm discussing right now is not the pool. It's the rock formation. And that could be right up against yes. the fence line. You can absolutely have your uh, cosmetic hardscape going right up to the property line just don't have water or fire within i think it's six feet or something that sounds okay. right okay well when you say don't have water maybe the water is not there when we're getting inspected but i do don't say that don't that. say that no <laughs> you, hey you up is listening up <laughs> <laughs> is listening and there's also this like requirement to have every door in your house have an alarm on it yeah. For inspection. Have an, what do you mean every door have an alarm? No, every if, door that goes to the back every, yard has to have this a child safe alarm. So like if the door opens and you don't like push a button, then it goes some crazy. It has sound. to make this if it stays open for like three seconds, it has to make yeah. this loud noise. Oh, like, is that is that like something that everybody puts on for the inspection and then it goes away? You get them on Amazon. They're like 10 bucks a piece and then you. Take them off afterwards. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the pool, yeah. the pool people put like a double sided temporary tape on to keep, to keep them up. I sure hope nobody comes and reinspects. <laughs> I'd have to go on Amazon and buy those things again. Oh my yeah. goodness. Okay. Anyway, can I you give so me a two minute build. or less recap of the strategy for Avis? Because Avis is actually one that I didn't get into and I kind of am kicking myself. What is your strategy for potentially buying more and or when are you selling? Yeah, well, I buy more every day because like I'm rebuying my I rebuy all my stocks every day. So uh, the, the thesis here is obviously Hertz is going down. I don't know if they'll be around in six months, but if they are, they'll be a smaller company. Most likely that means less cars at Hertz, which means that when we eventually do come out of this, uh, Avis should get a bigger part of the business. And if you start researching the car rental industry like I did as part of this trade, 
what you'll realize is that the car rental industry is really all about leverage. These are highly leveraged companies. It's kind of scary. And that's why Hertz went out of business so quickly here. Um, but if they can survive, they are in a position to thrive when things are good again. I'm a personal believer that when we come out of this, we're going to come out of this. You know, we've, we had an episode about this a few weeks ago or a month ago. It was called the Roaring 2020s. I think 2022, 2023, maybe even part of 2021, if we get lucky with the vaccine, is going to be an error of travel unlike you've ever seen before. I think travel is going to be huge, and I think Avis is going to be the only big car rental company available uh, that has massive inventory and infrastructure to support that. So I could see Avis doing well, way better than it's ever done in the past um, as a result of this. I'm in it now because I think even this summer, Avis is going to do okay because people still want a vacation. They're probably renting houses from Airbnb, but they don't want to fly there. So if I go away this summer, I'm going to drive. I'm not going to fly. I think Avis will have an okay summer. I don't think the move right now is anything to do with this summer. It's about getting ahead of what is almost inevitable, assuming that we can get around this this whole virus, right? Yep. And so I don't I don't intend to exit my Avis until... We are completely back to normal. It's one of those rebound stocks that I will exit when we are back to normal again. Okay, so I'm in no rush to exit my Avis stock. So I may, I might buy some today, and if I do, I'll update the Discord channel. I did see another one. Um, I had it on the screen. Do you have any other new trades uh, other than cheesecake that you have recently uh, made? Just, just uh, Cedar Fair uh, and Six Flags. Now I bought more Cedar Fair than I did Six Flags. Because I believe the area that, that Cedar Fair is in, uh, are, are, they're, more, they're in areas that are doing better uh, with people that are more likely to go to theme parks. And they're smaller, right? They're smaller amusement parks. Uh, they're not as big as Six Flags. Uh, Six Flags has a lot of locations in the Northeast where people have gotten hit really hard. And righteously, rightly so, they're going to be a little more hesitant to, to go out in crowds and go to places like Six Flags. So that's why I'm back. Also, by the way, I think this is an opportunity for Cedar Fair. They might even be able to do some acquisitions here uh, of other theme parks that were independently owned and not doing as well, not as well capitalized. I think the Cedar Fair balance sheet uh, is stronger than Six Flags. So, you know, I think Cedar Fair is, is interesting here. It's, it, it's, you know, certainly a riskier trade. But I think, I think people go back to theme parks this summer. I think that's going to happen. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And that's I, – I, as much as I didn't want to be invested in Six Flags, I'm considering it. Um, and I, I, you know, I think I've updated Discord with everything that I've bought recently. Um, Camping World, Yeti, Thor, Diageo, Dix, Callaway, Gan – uh oh that's about and it. we've talked about callaway right and like you know callaway's another one that was from our that was i don't know our great outdoor episode i guess mm -hmm. like i think people are going to top golf this summer i think once they open yep. up i don't know if the hell they're opening but once they open up i think people are going i think it's going to be a really popular place and callaway will you know benefit from that by the way you can't you know you just can't get tea times right now from what i understand my parents told me you know, they're up in the Northeast and they're being very cautious, uh, not doing anything, but they felt they were they would be OK going out and playing golf together, which is, seems totally safe to me. Um, in the middle of the week, the, 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 like tea times were booked up for days. Um, so it, what are you going to do? You can't get a tea time. Maybe you go to Top Golf. 
when it's open. Exactly. They're uh, owned. They're owned. They're owned partially by uh, Callaway. Yeah, they were the, one of the early investors. Yeah. What about your cash position right now? I know Jordan, you're still heavily in cash. Chris, you are leveraged in uh, margin, op- and I'm also leveraged in margin right now. Uh, but I'm way a smaller percentage of margin than you are. My cash position, even if you don't count my margin, <laughs> if you count my margin, my cash position is negative 40%. Uh, if you don't count my margin, my cash position, my real cash position is well under 1%. <laughs> it's pretty embarrassingly low. Wait a minute, uh, I, don't, I don't understand that. Oh, you, you mean actual cash sitting in your checking account? Yeah, is one versus is margin? less than 1% of my total, ass, total assets right now. I know, Jordan, that's just making you nervous even hearing it, isn't it? It's not, it's not the way I operate, but uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think that's why people want to hear <laughs> oh, wait, and wait, why, this, why this show even works is because we are very different in, in our approaches and our risk tolerance. All, all across the board. I'm going to calculate the exact my exact cash position for you right now, okay? Uh, and, and we do have uh, Bart Simpson asking us to please post our trades as soon as we make them. And that's something that it's, it's just going to take time for us to get used to doing because we haven't really ever done that. <laughs> I think I did the I one have, post I, I made in that. I have my cash position right now. Do you want to know what it is? Yeah, what is your cash position? It is... Uh, Almost three tenths of one percent, not quite. It's actually point oh oh two nine. So uh, my cash <laughs> position is three tenths of one percent, and that's just enough to like pay the mortgage and your credit card bills for this month, and then, <laughs> and then you have to uh, sell some yeah, stock so- or take out more. Uh, basically, you have to just go more in debt to uh, write yourself a check. Yeah, so basically what the way it works is every every couple of months I do a wire from my TD Ameritrade account to my Wells Fargo and I'm about to do one this week. And that wire is how much money I think I need to pay the credit card bills and my ta- you know whatever my tax bills and just whatever I have to pay to live, right? Um, yeah. And and usually it, then it runs to close to zero. But then when I send the money from my TD Ameritrade account, I don't actually have any cash in that account because I'm fully invested and then margin 40%. So I'm actually having to take a loan against my assets to even pull cash out to send it to my real bank account. And traditionally, I try not to do that. I I know it does. I said that for you. (laughs) Yeah, no, that that makes makes Jordan really nervous. And I try not to do that. I'm generally not just like always 100% in margin. But right now I am because I feel like there's so much opportunity, um, not to the 40% that you are, Chris, but I, I'll have to calculate and see, see where I am. But right now I'm, I'm almost to the point where my checking account has hit that threshold where I'm getting nervous and I need to go more into margin to be able to pay my credit card bills. But I always pay, but th- that's the thing. And if you watch, Hey there, Dave here. That is one of the key things. If you if you spend money on credit cards, you have to pay off your credit cards every month. And if you don't and you're paying 20% interest, that is way worse than the 3% or less that you might be paying in margin interest by having a brokerage account and having assets and borrowing money against those assets where we have to make 3% annually to be able to pay the interest that we're paying on to be able to have the margin, right? But in a time like this, we're not... 
If we if we only did three percent, we would probably be like, you wouldn't be watching this show, right? We, we would not be good investors. And remember, uh, when you take that money out, uh, you should probably take enough out because we have to we have to we're going to have to put money into the cookie company that we're investing in. Oh yes. uh, soon. How, Jordan, how, you got to get back to me today with how much money, if any, you want to invest in the cookie company, the secret healthy cookie company that we're we're funding. <laughs> and I'm in for a hundred thousand this round, and it, probably that much in the next round. So max allocation, basically, depending on what Lynn and Jordan want to do. Yes. You want max, okay? Max. So Jordan, you got to let me know today, and Lynn, I'm going to text Lynn after to see what what he's doing. We are, we guys, this will be yep. a big story for the regular Dumb Money channel starting when things return to normal. We are making a major investment. We're basically the sole investors of a healthy cookie company that we will be talking about a lot this next year. So if you're not subscribed to the regular Dumb Money channel, which is just YouTube forward slash Dumb Money, that's where we talk about investing in startups, okay? Private company startups. That's how we all started on YouTube. Um, you should go ahead and please subscribe to that channel as well as this one, Dumb Money Live. Uh, we've paused that channel for a couple months, but we'll get back into it when we feel bold enough to meet in person. There's, right. a, there, there's a good episode, though, where we do some market research for this healthy cookie company. So we, we've talked about it a little bit on the channel already. Right now, behind the scenes, we're trying to figure out how to fund it and pull it all together, pull you know all these moving parts together to actually start a company, something that we said we would never do. But this is, this is a very th – I'm excited about this as an opportunity. So we'll, uh, we'll be covering that on Dumb Money. But go watch the episode where we do our market research. It's a good one. Yes. Okay, can I go uh, eat lunch now, guys? No, we're gonna do this for another three hours. <laughs> no, I just I just need long enough to uh, hit the music and uh, remind people to smash the like button for the YouTube algorithm. Subscribe, hit the bell for all your notifications. You'll know when we're on. Listen to our podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google. We're on all of them. Follow us on Twitter. Our at names are in the description. Join our Discord server, dumbmoney.tv slash Discord. There's just so many ways to keep the conversation going. Do it on Discord. Do it in our comments on this video. I actually read our YouTube comments first, so do that. Anything else, guys? No, uh, let's just hope that we do not get a, the second wave chills out over the next couple of days. I do not need to be waking up Monday morning to a second wave market crash. No, so we, uh, we will figure out that data closely tonight and tomorrow uh, before the market closes. If it looks bad, I might hedge into this weekend. We'll figure out what but our Monday show is over the next couple of days. Be sure you subscribe to figure out what that's going to be. And it should be Monday morning at uh, 11 Central. Thank you guys so much for watching. I'm Dave Hansen. For Chris and Jordan, we are Dumb Money. We will see you on Monday. Mm -hmm.